Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Have you ever been in a situation or in a moment of life that's really tough? And just when you think it's about to be finished, it just continues on. And eventually you kind of feel this question arising in your heart, when is life ever going to get better? Is this ever going to finish? You know, it's that emotion that I had sitting in the cinema for the first time watching Will Smith and his son in the pursuit of happiness. That movie just grinds you into fine dust. Every time you think, finally, this, this father and son, they're going to get a leg up, just a break. It just falls flat even worse than before. We would always have uh, fitness for rugby at this one coach who is notorious for telling us at the end of a hard session, guys, just three more 400 meter laps to run. And you crawl over that last one. And then he says, actually, there's three more. And you just cry out like, how long will this last? In my mid-twenties, I had the mother load of all stomach bug infections. It was three days of proper stomach bug, uh, you know, just repercussions. And uh, I lost like 10 kilograms after those three days. So I promise you by the end of day two, I was asking the Lord, how long will this last? Maybe the example that we're all thinking of, it's the elephant in the room of things not changing, not coming to an end. What happens when you start a year and everyone speaks about 2020 vision and we're going we're gonna to win and it's going to be such a great time and then 2020 becomes one of the most challenging and difficult years in recent history. And then on the 31st of December, we all trusting, we go three, two, one, happy new year. It's all going to be different. And then very quickly, you start realizing, actually, this feels very much like 2020. I guess it's just continuing on. And I actually want to challenge us that maybe we should stop looking at the years and start speaking about this moment as a season. Let's just call it for now, it's 2020 something. That's the season that we are in. And some of us are asking, when will life ever get better? When will things change? So over the last couple of weeks, We've been diving into this question and we've been challenging ourselves to say there is no better way for a Christian to wrestle with the highest peaks of life and the lowest valley moments of life than the book of Psalms. The Psalms are so raw and so honest. And we've been saying that many people, the way they try and deal with difficult emotions and difficult circumstances of life is they ignore them, they sidestep them, they just stuff them away. And other people, on the other hand, they deal with difficult circumstances and emotions by giving them carte blanche in their life. It rules their life. But we've been saying that God, so graciously in the book of Psalms, He gives us a third option. And so we said we are not going to surrender to our emotions and we are not going to sidestep our emotions. We are going to pray our emotions and circumstances in the presence of God. And I want to challenge you, if you have not practically been doing this yet, if you've not taken some of these psalms that we've been preaching through and working through and studying and literally praying them, sit with your eyes open in the presence of God and pray your life into these psalms. I promise you, God will change your heart 
in your faith and your life. And the question that we want to engage today is simply this. How do we live in a season where it feels like the difficult things are not coming to an end? When will life change? And how do I get genuine hope? Not fake hope, not Christianese hope, but how do we get hope in a season like this? Because the reality is, guys, this is a tough and uncertain moment. But the calling, hear me now, Dr. O. Hatfield, for us as a church and for you as an individual, our calling remains. Our calling as Christians and as the church remains. The city, I'm telling you at the moment, is more in need of the church than ever before. The country is in more need of the church than ever before. You are in more need of the church and us are in need of you in a way than we've ever been before. So our calling to know God and to love people and to impact our world, it remains. So if the outwardly is not just suddenly going to change and evaporate around us, how do we trust God for a robust inward faith that will stand up in the season Read with me in Psalm 88. It says, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry, for I have had enough troubles and my life is near Sheol. I'm counted among those going down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength, abandoned among the dead. I'm like the slain lying in the grave whom you no longer remember. And who you cut off from your care. You've put me in the lowest part of the pit, in the darkest place, in the depths. Your wrath weighs heavily upon me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have distanced me from friends and you have made me repulsive to them. I'm shut in and I cannot go out. My eyes are worn out from crying. Lord, I cry out to you all day long. I spread out my hands to you. Verse 14. Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? From my youth, I've been suffering a near death. I suffer your horrors. I am desperate. Your wrath sweeps over me. Your terrors destroy me. They surround me like water all day long. They close in on me from every side. You have distanced loved ones and neighbors from me. Darkness is my only friend. The end. And all God's people said, what? Is that the end? Is is that where the psalm ends? Isn't there supposed to be like a part at the end where the psalmist goes, but luckily God came in and he fixed everything and it's all peachy and we're riding off into the sunset. You know, it's, it's all great. It doesn't. That's literally how the psalm ends. And the question is, why did God put this psalm through the inspiration of his Holy Spirit into the Bible? And the answer is, because guys, realistically, often life feels like Psalm 88. Life often feels like Psalm 88. Now, we don't know the exact circumstances of the psalmist, but we can make a whole bunch of good deductions. Firstly, there was personal betrayal for him. Verse 18 says, friends and neighbors have deserted me. Verse 8 says, I'm repulsive to those closest to me. This is for you when that spouse that's been with you for years suddenly just abandons you. 
This is when that colleague just publicly dismantles you in a meeting. This is when that friend that you shared something intimate and secretive with, when they just blurb it out to everyone around you. This is when that adult sibling of yours, just because you don't agree with some of their choices, they just cut you out of their life. And maybe it's not betrayal, but maybe it's neglect. Your kids just don't phone you anymore. Or your spouse, they are cold emotionally or sexually, they're just indifferent in your marriage. But secondly, we see that there is chronic pain. The psalmist says in verse 15, from my youth I have been suffering. What happens when the pain that you face in your life emotionally or physically, when there's no end in sight for it? He says in verse 6, emotionally I'm in the darkest of depths. Verse 8, I'm shut in and I cannot go out. You know, Ernest Shackleton, he was part of this doomed uh, trip that they wanted to make to the South Pole. But their whole group got lost for more than a year, their party. And he writes in excruciating detail about the sub-zero temperatures, about having almost no food. But he says the worst thing was the darkness. He said the South Pole, the the sun goes under in about mid-May and it only arises again in August. So they were enveloped by this great Darkness. That's how some of you feel at the moment in some of your pain and some of your suffering and frustration. And then the psalmist says, there's the loneliness. And you know this. Some of you, when you face something genuinely difficult, even those who love you, they can't fully understand because they've never gone through something like that. But the psalmist says, he takes it even further. He says, not even God understands what I'm going through. In fact, he actually goes further and he says, I think it's God's fault that I'm going through this. Repeatedly, he just says, Lord, you did this. You did this. So the summary of this very downer of a psalm is found in verse 15 where he just shouts out, I am desperate. That's how the psalmist feels. He says, I'm not even praying for this to change anymore because I don't think it can change. I'm not even sure God can do anything about this. This is when you feel that, you know, my marriage is too far gone. My, my body has, it's, it's received permanent damage. Or my public persona or my, my, you know, reputation in the office, it's been completely destroyed. There is no coming back from this. The psalmist is past the question, can life get any better? Because he's resolved, it cannot. And he just ends the psalm right there. And it's jarring. There's no like next season or, you know, Netflix just keeps on going to the, he just literally mid-season just cuts it off. And you, it's, it's jarring. It's, it's emotionally depleting. And that's why the next thing that happens is so beautiful. That's why the psalms are so powerful. Because look at the very next psalm the one that's been intentionally placed next to this one. They go together. Look at how it starts. Psalm 89 verse 1 says, I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my mouth. Verse 8, Lord God of armies, who is strong like you? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the, the raging sea when it 
It's a wave surge. You still them. So for the Jewish people, they saw the sea as this kind of unpredictable element of nature. And yet the psalmist says, even uh, amongst the unpredictable elements of the world, God reigns over that. Verse 10, it says, you crushed Rahab like one who is Slain, And Bible scholars say that this name Rahab was given in the ancient Near East, the people living around the Jewish people. They gave it to this mythological sea creature. And for the Jewish people, they adopted that as a representation of Egypt, this, this arch enemy of theirs that lives across the sea. And it says, even this enemy, God rules over it. It says, you scattered your enemies with your powerful arm. The heavens are yours. The earth is yours. The world and everything in it, you founded them. North and south, you created them. Tabor, that marked the east for them. And uh, Mount Hermon, that marked the west for them. It says, they shout for joy at your name. In verse 21, God says, my hand will always be with him. And this hymn that he speaks of is King David and his spiritual descendants, which we know from the New Testament points to us as well as the church. And what does he say about David and us? He says, my arm will strengthen them. The enemy will not oppress them. The wicked will not afflict them. Verse 26, they will call to me. You are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. Verse 34, I will not violate my covenant, my promise to you that I made in Jesus. I will not change what my lips have said. I mean, that's powerful. That's what you feel, man. This is what we need for 2020 something. But the question then is, why put these two psalms next to one another? It almost feels schizophrenic when you go from one to the other. And the answer is simple. The answer is that the book of Psalms, in the way that it's constructed, gives us the reality of the Christian faith. It gives us not the, the airbrushed, you know, on Sunday, everyone's smiling and we're faking it at times. It gives us the reality of following Jesus in a broken world. Guess what? There are moments in life where it feels like Psalm 88. And the fact that Psalm 88 is in this Bible of ours through God's providence shows us that God is inviting us to voice our brokenness, frustration, and doubt and fear. But secondly, it shows us that the steadfast love and the, the consistency of God, His faithfulness, the Psalm 88 chapters of life, they do not cancel out the truths that the psalmist sings of in Psalm 89. They remain true. Guys, in 2020 something, the season that we are part of, we need the one side of the coin. The Psalm 88 cries to God. We need to live in some Psalm 88 realities at the moment, but we need the principles of Psalm 89, and we need to live from them in the season. So let me give you just a couple of them. The first is a Psalm 89 says to us, in a season called 2020-something, the psalmist says, remember that God's steadfast love and His faithfulness, what? They are higher than everything in your life. They are higher than everything in your life. 
Verse 9, he says, God is higher than the raging seas. This represents all those chaotic and uncertain things in our lives. The, the cancer cells, the accident that just befalls you, that sudden sickness, COVID-19, the, the job loss, even just the craziness of living in South Africa at the moment. God still reigns higher than all those things. Verse 10, he says, God is higher than the sea monster, which represents the most sinister enemy that we can have. So whether that's someone that genuinely wants to hurt you or whether it's just a boss that really has it in for you, God still reigns above those realities. The psalmist says, remember, whether it comes from the north or the south or the east or the west, God will in time make it work together for his plan and praise will come to him. So what he's saying is there's no force or power or or accident in your life from the north, south, east or the west, any side of your life that can cancel out the plan that God is going to work. God works above and into the brokenness, the sin, the death, the rebellion of our world. And he says, my plans will prevail. What's meant for evil, I will bring to praise and to good. The psalmist says, remember that God is promising. I will not change a single syllable of the promise that I made to you. I've covenanted. I've promised myself in relationship to you through Jesus. And I'm not changing one bit of that. Remember that in 2020 something. But secondly, the psalmist says, in a season like 2020 something, remember that God's steadfast love and his faithfulness, it's not always seen immediately in the visible. We can't always immediately see how it's working out. So the psalmist in Psalm 88, he is saying, I can't see the evidence of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Even the psalmist in Psalm 89, at one point, he says, how long, Lord, will you hide forever? See, you and I, we have a tendency to measure God's love and his care for us, his his faithfulness. We measure it how? By the word? Is it by the Holy Spirit? Is it by the promises we find in fellowship with God's people? No, we measure it how? by the circumstances we face. We measure it by what's happening in our life at present. So what happens is, you know, when things are going well in my life, then I feel like, man, I'm living in the love and the faith and the blessing of God. And sometimes we are willing to suffer for a little bit if we know that this is exactly part of the plan and this is how it's going to play out. So that's typically that idea of, you know, I got fired on this job, but luckily it led me to an even better paying job. Or, you know, my my blonde girlfriend just dumped me, but through that God brought this beautiful redhead into my life or whatever it is. We, we, We are willing to suffer if we see the plan. Now, does that happen sometimes? Yes. But that kind of dependence and thinking is going to bring us into such a difficult space Because guess what? Very often you are not going to be able to see the full scope of God's eternal plan for our church, for you as an individual in our city. God is working like with Joseph's story. All that's meant for evil, he will mean for good for those who love him. But we are not always going to see the full scope of that. In fact, sometimes 
We won't see it in this life at all. But if our faith depends on having to see God's plan, to observe God's plan so that we can trust Him, we are going to be a faith crisis on legs just waiting to happen. Friends, sometimes you won't see it in this life, the full scope of God's plan. You can still trust Him. But thirdly, the psalmist says, remember in a season like 2020-something, remember, he says, God's steadfast love and faithfulness, it guides even the darkest moments to praise. It says his steadfast love and faithfulness, it guides even the darkest moments to what? To praise. So Eugene Peterson, he's a Bible scholar, he's the guy behind the, the message paraphrase, and he says that if you look at the book of Psalms, The majority of the Psalms are like Psalm 88, these Psalms of lament. It's these intense cries of pain and frustration. Isn't that striking? The majority of the Psalms are like this. But he says, if you look at how the Psalms of praise and resolve are scattered in between and how the book of Psalms works toward a conclusion, you start understanding something about God. So let me read to you the the very last five Psalms in the book of Psalms, 146 to 150. They have no laments. There is no crying. There's no complaining. It's all praise. Let me read to you the very end of the book of Psalms. It says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expense. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. So you see what Peterson is saying? Even the shape of the book of Psalms is making a point that every single prayer, if prayed long enough, it will end in praise. Every season held onto by God, it will end in praise and our goodness and His glory. Will it all happen in this life? No, the reality is sometimes our life feels like Psalm 88. And guess what? Sometimes your life ends like Psalm 88. But the promise that the Psalms are making is that even if your life ends in Psalm 88, The author of your life has only just begun authoring your eternal story. And the promise is that whether in this life or in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, we're not going to live in a lesser human, but a more human existence, a more tangible and real existence in the presence of God on a new earth. God says it will come to a place of unfiltered praise. It will end there. What's going to happen is exactly what the Bible says, that there will come a day where God will wipe the tear from every eye. It's going to happen as J.R.R. Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings says, that, that all sad things are going to come untrue. You know, Paul likens this eternal story that God is writing, the Psalm 89 conclusion to your 88 chapter. He says it's like a woman giving birth. It's like pain that's suddenly swallowed up in joy. That is the promise. It might not be in this season that you see the fullness, but God promises you will see it. Remember. And finally, the psalmist says, remember in the season that we're calling 2020-something, whether it's just one more year or two years or three years in this season, remember, he says, that God's steadfast love and faithfulness is most clearly seen where? 
in the cross of Jesus. It's most clearly seen in the cross of Jesus. In the middle of Psalm 89, between all the praise, there's this sudden like detour. It's very jarring. And it speaks about a person. Let me read it to you. It says in verse 38, but you have spurned and rejected him and you've become enraged with your anointed. You have repudiated the covenant with your servant. You've completely dishonored his crown. You've broken down his walls. All who pass by plunder him. He has become an object of ridicule to his neighbors. You have shortened the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. Who is he talking about? This Hebrew phrase, the anointed one, it means the Messiah. It means the Christ. And the New Testament clearly points us to the one and only person that fits that bill. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. This is a prophecy in the middle of Psalm 89 about Jesus, hundreds of years before his life. And this prophecy is summarizing in one way for us the good news gospel of Jesus in four words. Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. That's why Martin Luther, the famed reformer, he would say that the words of Jesus on the cross, Father, Father, why have you abandoned me? He says those are the most profound and important words in the Bible. Why? Because it shows that Jesus took on the full abandonment of God so that you and I never have to. Jesus stepped into the full chapter 88 of Psalms so that you and I never have to fully experience it. And some of you guys have to realize that, that God wants you to step out of just a tame religion, just playing around with religiosity, and he wants you to fully throw yourself in faith toward Jesus. To say, Jesus, I want to love you. I want to know the sweetness of your forgiveness as my Savior. And I want to follow you passionately as my King and my Lord, and some of you that are seeking God need to realize you will not find Psalm 89, the resolve of your life in sex and money, in a, in a career, in a spouse. It's only found in the anointed one who fully absorbed the brokenness and death and sin, who fully went into the Psalm 88 of our world so that you and I never have to feel abandoned. So when I, in a season like 2020-something, feel, God, you've abandoned me. Where are you? I can know that I can know that I know that I'm wrong. Even if my emotions tell me so, even if my mind tells me so, I am wrong. Why? Because if Jesus did not abandon me on the darkest moments of the cross, why would he abandon me now? It's not just that God in Jesus that Jesus died, as John 3 says, for the world. It's that he died also for me. It's that he died for you. He had you in mind. He had me in mind. I never have to doubt that. Friends, we are living in a Psalm 88 season. But we are going to have to learn how to live with the principles of Psalm 89 in 2020-something. If we are going to regather our calling to know God and to love people and to impact our city that so needs the church. 
And maybe a story is the best way as I start wrapping up just to tell you that. And just listen, this is from a book and this incredible true story of a woman writing a letter of her Psalm 88 that she is going through. She says this, if you had asked me what I was thankful for before September, I would have said that I'm thankful for my family, my home, my job, and for God, for a husband who loves and cares for me, for four children, ages 14, 11, 9, and 5, who are healthy and happy, and for a home that I dreamed never that I could have, and for a career that allows me to work from home. But in October, my Christian husband, completely out of the blue, he left me and our children for someone else who also left her husband. This other family were friends of ours. We vacationed with them on three separate occasions. I thought they were our close friends. Now a year later, my husband is still gone, still with his new family. He's told me that they will be part of our kids' lives and I need to get used to that and not hate her. My kids are still dealing with the impact that their dad left. They are depressed and angry and confused and frustrated. My oldest has started questioning his faith. He's rebelling against all authority and lashing out at his family. My house is up for sale, a short sale, which could turn into a foreclosure. We have no idea where we will move. And yet, in the midst of all of this, I have come to know God on a different level. To see Him work in a way I'd only heard about. You see, I've never had a big tragedy in my life. I've never really had to depend on God. Sure, I prayed and I saw God work, but not like this. I've never had the need to rely on God, truly just fall and rest on Him. In the past, when I needed God's comfort, the image in my head was me clinging to Jesus and Him hugging me. My image now is me just completely collapsed and Him carrying me. And that is incredible. In the midst of this horrible situation where my whole identity and my family has been attacked, I see glimpses of what God is doing and how our lives will be changed. And I get excited to see who I get to be at the end of all of this. Friends, when I ask the question, when will life get better? When will this change? In a season like 2020 something, we have to realize that yes, we are in a chapter 88 moment, but God calls us to live with the hope Psalm 89. So how will we do that? We need to make a step up into a maturity of faith, a robustness of faith, a bigger heart for a city that needs love, a church that needs our support and investment, our commitment. How will we do that? Practically just these two things. In this season, pray Psalm 88. Pray it honestly and boldly. You will not scare God away with your emotion, with your anger, or with your doubt. Pray Psalm 88. But secondly, preach Psalm 89 to your heart. Preach it to your heart and come to the place where you say, I choose not to fear because God is with me. I choose not to doubt because God is in control. And I choose not to despair because God is good. Friends, the city needs the church. You need the church. We need you. And in this moment, 
God wants to do something incredible in our hearts. So how will we do that? We are going to pray Psalm 88 when it hurts. And we are going to preach Psalm 89 to our hearts until the praise comes. Amen.